the Our Secret Spot podcast, your look through the keyhole into Australia's hottest swingers club. Hello everyone, welcome back to Our Secret Spot, the podcast. My name is Lawrence and I'm one of the owners and founders of Our Secret Spot, which is a swingers club here in Sydney. Today is a guest interview podcast. I have a lovely couple who have been to the club quite a lot and have even worked at the club a few times. Worked on the door, worked behind the bar. So we're going to hear from them and their story. So please welcome Misha and Dean. Hello. Hi, guys. How thanks, are thanks you? Thanks for having us. Yeah. Thanks for coming on. Um, like we start every podcast with any, any couple that comes to the club, like tell us who you are, your story, your background, and your journey so far through the lifestyle. Um, sure. Being a lady, I'll go first. Um, I'm Misha. We have been in the lifestyle now um, just over two years. Um, I actually stumbled upon our secret spot when I was looking to buy a house for my parents. We were house hunting and I saw an article that said, Swingers Club Darlinghurst sold for a certain amount of million dollars. And I went, what is this place? How did I not know about it? And <laughs> Hang on, hang on. What were you searching that you got to our secret spot for a house? I was searching homes in Darlinghurst. Yeah, because uh, our old, the old club was owned uh, – sorry, the old club and the house directly next door was owned by the same person and they were trying to sell it off as a combined thing or just selling them together. So it was kind of the intention of like a developer would buy the land and then probably either – demolish it and rebuild something new or intend to buy them together for that purpose. So that's why she would have come across the, the swingers club, not because like she was searching, are there any sex clubs for sale that I just want to find here? No, not unless I was winning a Powerball. Yep. Uh, but we have been together for um, just over nine years okay. after meeting on Tinder. Oh, you met on Tinder nine years ago? Nine years ago. That feels like the dark ages of Tinder. Oh, yeah. It's no, like no super likes or whatever, right? No. Um, old school swiping. Yeah, and we had kids quite early on together. Yep. Um, was all a surprise. And so middle of lockdown, we were like, we talk about all these fantasies of sleeping with other people and doing things a little bit more um, X-rated or you can say. But um, that's when, the, the, when I bumped into the website of Our Secret Spot. I mm. was like, this is where we're going to go, and the conversation kind of started from there. Right, okay. Is that? Do you agree with these versions of events, Dean? <laughs> <laughs> I think we um, took the idea of um, ethical non-monogamy pretty slow. Yeah, and okay. it took us like quite a while to figure out what that looks like for us. Mm-hmm. And I think that conversation probably started 18 or 24 months before we actually had our first event here, and... Um, trying to think of the timeline. It would have been around when COVID started, I think, that we were really talking about things like hall passes and that sort of thing. But really, like, we couldn't couldn't find something that really gelled for us. Yeah. Um, so, for example, like, what would constitute a hall pass? You know, would it be if if one of us was travelling interstate, right, that, 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 that there mm. would be grounds to open the relationship in that regard? But I'm a, you know, white-collar worker that travels very regularly. I would have been interstate quite a bit more than you had the advantage in that game totally totally so um, and usually hall passes are like it's you know it's someone just completely unattainable you know like for me it's like emily blunt i'm like (laughs) (laughs) you know it's just like but it's just oh the milkman oh well that's too easy it feels (laughs) very true (laughs) but yeah so you're you're having the hall pass conversation yeah i think i think we settled on the fact that when we were designing what our relationship wanted to look like in this regard, that we didn't want it to be super prescriptive in mm. terms of boundaries. And I think that what we are living by today is that, um, you know, we have very specific red lines that we don't cross. Sure. And beyond that, it's kind of um, all fine, provided then we're also like communicating effectively, which will obviously go into more detail mm. later. Yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. So nine years and then you're saying probably about, so at lockdown you started to have these or it became a bit more of an active conversation in your, in your relationship? Lockdown, you know, when you see so much tragedy, tragedy on the news, you go, well, life is so short. Mm. 
you know, and we have been parents for far longer than we have been a couple by that stage, you know. Yep. We've just been knee-deep in diapers and everything else. And life just became a routine. Yep. And I know that we're no longer die at 35. We live to the beyond ages of 90. Yeah. So it's unfair to expect one person to fill all of your buckets for the rest of your lives. Yep. So the com- conversation came um, more serious then. Was that like an active thought you were having in yourself before you had this conversation that like, you know, the we're going to live a lot longer. I, I don't want to put this pressure on someone else to be the one and only that's going to tick all my boxes, so to speak. Um, yes. I think those thoughts were always there yep. um, for quite a little while, mm. but they just became a little bit more authentic and more real when I became a mother. Sure. Because all of a sudden my entire being, who I was and how I have changed physically, mentally, um, I, I just bec- I grew into a different person and none of the materialistic things really mattered anymore and all of a sudden it was all about self-love, self-expression and living in the moment beyond, you know, a pair of shoes or bags. And yeah. I realised that what I needed... Um, is the connection and deeper connection with other people as well as Dean. Yep. Nice. So, yeah, here we are two years on. <laughs> yeah. It feels like, I mean, I've got a couple of points here from this, as I say, because you've obviously been coming to the club only since lockdown. So, like, but for me, like, I don't know if this is for, true for Jess as well, but, like, couples like you, I feel like I've been coming here for years and I suppose at this point it has been years, technically. But, like, you know, even when you say, like, we've only been coming since lockdown, like, oh, really? <laughs> Residence. You know, it's like I um, I guess you're going to guess – I don't know what even I'm trying to convey here. It's just this, like, uh, I, I don't know. It feels like sometimes people that you, you meet in the lifestyle, and I don't know if you feel the same way, but I do feel like this sometimes. It's like you might meet them and you've only met them for a short amount of time, relatively speaking, but you feel like you know them far better than you would even other people in your life. So it's just like they've been around for longer in your mind, even though that's not really the case, I guess is what I'm trying to say here. It's just like this difference of perspective I think, of the relationship. I think um, people that are really embedded within the lifestyle and you know, regulars at a place like Our Secret Spot are also more comfortable to be their authentic self. Mm. And I think that, that plays a big role in, um, you know, your familiarity with yeah. you know, other couples and people. And, yeah. you know, there's definitely a sense of community somewhere like this, mm. different type of community than you would obviously get yeah. elsewhere in your vanilla life. Yeah, right? for sure, for sure. Especially the people that you If you're going out with your, your work colleagues at a bar, you're just, there's still that superficiality of, like, just being, putting up that mask of whatever it is you've got to present. Um and also you were saying something about like, you know, uh, the, the change in your mindset, especially when lockdown occurred. And I think, I don't know if we've talked about this, but I've talked about this with some other people uh, about having the way the club has sort of shifted as well since lockdown. Because I think COVID really, whilst it was hurtful at the time when it was happening, it really changed the way the club is and the way it runs because we have a lot more people that come a lot more frequently through those doors now every weekend to the point where it's just like obvious uh, we get sold out for, for almost all our events. And I think it has to do with exactly what you're saying. It's just like the social mood changed because they realised, oh, our life can be turned upside down. Nothing is for granted. You can't yeah. take anything as a given. We've got to like live our life and enjoy it while we can. Um, and I think that's really permeated throughout all of society, especially here in Australia, where we're seeing a little bit more people just like, let's take the risk and have some fun. So yeah. it's interesting hearing your story and exactly how that sort of forms for you guys as an individual couple. Yeah. Plus, plus I think like just living in the moment more as well. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to retire when I'm 70, you know, I want to work hard and retire maybe in the next five to six years yeah. and just be a regular at the club once a week. <laughs> <laughs> Being a resident. Don't, don't need to be a retiree for that. <laughs> <laughs> a retiree party. That's like, right. That might convey some different ideas of what the club would look like. It's like <laughs> <laughs> we'll so, change their mind. Yeah, that's but, right. But that's when you know you've made it. Yeah. yeah. 
Okay, so you're you're in lockdown. You're having these thoughts now. How, how's the conversations going between like is some who brought it up first? We can't remember. I <laughs> know. Uh, I'll tell you. All right, there I'll you tell go. you. Um, I turned thirty in twenty nineteen. Mm-hmm. Um, our second born was just about three months at that time, and I have kissed many, many girls, many women in my life, but I've never gone all the way. Yep. And I just wanted to experience what it's like to be with a woman. Yeah. But, you know, I, I don't know how it is for other women, but for me, it has to be a connection. It has. To, I have to really like them as a person, as a whole package, yep. not just superficially. Mm. And um, I said to Dean, I said, hey, I think maybe – my 30th birthday i can um hire a female escort okay so it's a transactional thing and mm. i know what i'm getting and i know that the experience is going to be a really good time um but by the time i turned 30 i was still in mum mode i didn't really feel sexy or attractive so we parked that idea on hold and then 2020 covid i said okay i'm ready i'm <laughs> going to do it i um booked one lady for an hour and a half. Yeah. She was incredible because we got along so well. My hour and a half turned into a 14-hour night. Wow. Um, we got along so well. I didn't leave um, her place until 10.30 a.m. the next morning to go straight to work. <laughs> um, I made it to work and my now ex-boss looked at me and said, I think you should go home. I don't need you here. Looks like you had a whatever you did. It was great. I don't think you need to be here anymore. <laughs> wow, that's um, nice. It was really kind of him, and that was the first opening to um, kind of me being with somebody else for the first time in seven years. At that point in time, sure. And How was your bank balance at the end of the fourteen hours? I only paid for an hour and a half. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Seeing Russian music videos, wasn't it? (laughs) It was great. And so that was kind of the opening to me being with somebody else for the first time in all those years. And it it took a little while to adjust because I felt, um, even though it was a consensual experience, I did feel a bit guilty. I felt um, that maybe I didn't do the right thing by Dean. And so it took me quite a little while to kind of come around to, to say, no, there was nothing wrong about it. Um, everything was consensual mm. and um, I had a great time. So I just have to, to accept the fact that I had a really good time and that it's okay to have good time with other people other than your partner or husband. Yeah. Um, and so I remember 23rd of May 2020, uh, my other friend and I went to Club V for the first time. Wow at our secret spot because being around females after that experience was a more comforting Mm. um, thing to do. And once again, we came in with just an open mind and I left with some really fond memories from that place and I haven't stopped since. (laughs) (laughs) So that was your first time, that was your very first experience with Club Club B? Yes. Yep. How does that compare to to a regular night at the club? Because, uh, sorry, if anyone doesn't know, Club V is uh, for, for women or female identifying people only, uh, guests and staff. So, yeah, there's just no um, male-bodied people here. No. <laughs> Look, for me, I realised the staff were incredible. If there's one thing I do remember about that night, uh, being a newbie, the staff were incredible. They did the most authentic tour they made you feel so comfortable. Not once did I feel like I came to the wrong place. Not once did I regret my decision coming. Mm-hmm. So that, you know, like five stars and beyond for that. Um, Club V was great as an entry point because I felt safe. Mm-hmm. Um, but I realised that I love men <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> quite a lot. So I think going to um, other more mixed events is more for me. Yeah, for Would sure. you say so, Dean? No, no Club V for you anyway. Yeah, it's so easy. <laughs> There's no reference points. <laughs> I don't have a reference point for Club no. V. <laughs> Look, I mean, if I reflect on my experience when you were at that Club V night, I mean... Yeah, what were you doing? Were you in the car just out the front waiting? <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. Not at all. No, I, was, I think I was just at home, right? With like, kids. With yeah. Kids, yeah. 
living the dream. <laughs> um, no, but um, look, for me, I get a lot of my own gratification knowing that um, Mish is having a good time as well. And um, so really, like, I've never had an uncomfortable sort of experience within myself when Mish has been out there doing something. Mm. And, um, you know, I think one of the benefits of having gone really slow into this and dipping our toes in the water in the way that we did uh, it was important to have done that to make sure that both of us were comfortable at every step of the way yeah oh uh, can i just add i do have to say before any of this before any of the conversation about opening our marriage therapy was a great thing going to couples therapy and yeah. going to therapy separately to talk about this mm. has been really a a game changer in our relationship. Okay. And you obviously found a sex positive therapist. She is just incredible in every aspect. Yeah. You know. Um, was that intentional? Or you didn't know that that was a thing to like. It no. was not intentional. It was just yeah. for us as a couple because we had kids so young so early on. So we were just navigating life in general. Yeah. And eventually it came to me asking her about open relationships uh, what are the chances of them working out or not and how best to go about it? And what was her advice? She said 99%, it doesn't always work, but you are that 1% and I believe in you. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, only because I think I have always been very honest about my myself and my needs and I, I truly believe that we are doing it for the right reasons. Yeah. We're doing this because we love each other mm. and the end game is to be together. Yeah. So everything else that happens, it just enhances our relationship. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think um, you can't have an open relationship if you have deficiencies in your relationship ordinarily or perhaps just as importantly, deficiencies as an individual. And, you know, I think, you know, as Misha brings up, you know, we had kids very young and... Uh, it was difficult to navigate life in those first few years and rediscover who you were as a person. And there's no way I would have had the strength as an individual to have had an open relationship in the way that we do now uh, without having had those couple of years um, to strengthen, you know, my mental fortitude, I guess, in the way that therapy did. Yeah. I'm I'm surprised, like you said, like 99% is like a fail rate of 99%. Is like but she's a bit older, so I didn't yeah. take that, you know. she She's in her mid-60s. Yeah. Yeah. Plus, I think, you know, she's obviously seeing people that need her help that would be less likely to... Yeah, that's succeed. classic survivorship yeah. bias, you yeah. know, yeah. and confirmation bias. She's seeing only the people that need the help. So that's she's right. like, all her experiences is like, it's broken. But then that would lead her to believe like, all relationships broken because she only helps people that are like, you know, needing yeah. help in their relationship either with their partner, their family, whatever it is. So it's like, look, you can, I think relationships all have their life of their own and it can be for a number of reasons. Maybe it's non-monogamy or, you know, people who are non, who are monogamous but end up breaking up because someone was non-monogamous that they just yeah. didn't know about, right? It's yes. kind of like, it's the same thing. Totally. Something's going to break your relationship. Um, for the most part, you know, a lot of relationships do end over time, but it's just kind of like, you know, what are you going to let it be? Is it going to be being quiet about your non-monogamy or is it is it going to are you going to be open about it and like maybe something else takes, you know, money is like a huge problem as well for, for, for a lot of couples. So it's like if you want to say like take out all things that are going to break your relationship, we should just not make money, right? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, <laughs> take right. out money out of the relationship. Um, that's correct. And that's why I never took her... Um, statistics seriously to heart because I I realise that they only can talk about their experiences and so I still, you know, went out yeah. there and did my own thing and um, more majority of our friends are quite um, supportive of us. Mm -hmm. um, they know about um, our lifestyle and um, some of them have also gone uh, non-monogamous. Yeah, or you convert them. Just a little bit. <laughs> Just a couple. But th there was another couple that became non-monogamous at the same time we did as well. And that was actually pretty cool to kind of... Experience that yeah, together. Experience together, yeah. So that you had been in and then that you, you brought them in? Is that I, think, I think they were probably a couple of months ahead of us. Oh, okay. Mm, I don't know. That's questionable. Yeah. 
No, no. I think I've. Should we call them right now? Find out. (laughs) (laughs) Don't think it's a good idea now. (laughs) Um, No, I think because I've been always quite vocal about what I want to do and who I am as a person, um, it may have just given them a little bit more of a push to say, hey, I think we've been talking about this for a very long time, but we just didn't have anyone else to do it with. So this is a very good opportunity to do it together. Yeah, okay. Fair enough. But we do know couples that when they did go non-monogamous, it did open things up for them that became issues. And, you know, that comes back to that remark earlier about the therapy. And, um, you know, I think that those issues that may exist under the surface in your relationship, you have to be honest with each other about before you go, you know, jumping into this kind of lifestyle. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, because you could use it. To, I mean, you know, there's, the, I'm sure you've probably heard of this, to say it's a magnifying, swinging or lifestyle. Non-monogamy in general can be a magnifying glass for your, is a magnifying glass for your relationship. Yeah. It's oh, fun, yeah. funny you should say that. Like the, the, way, the way I explain it to people, I've got a very sort of numeric and visual sort of a mind. So this is the way that I put it is that <laughs> <laughs> over time, right, um, your relationship could be, you know, at a, a 7 out of 10, one day you're having, you know, amazing time as a couple. Um, the next day, you know, you've, you've blown up over something, even if it's something small, and you might define that as like a 4 out of 10 day or something, right? So you, you've got like this um, inherent volatility within a, within a relationship mm-hmm. where you're oscillating, you know, the good and the bad. I found that when we opened our relationship, the highs were significantly higher, but we probably had a period where the lows were a bit lower as well. Right. But once you kind of get through and find your feet in that new kind of um, paradigm that you're in, Mm -hmm. um, I find that, you know, it's settled at a much higher sort of an average where I, I can only think in the last 12 months of like one sort of serious, uh, you know, fight that we've had, Right. Um, and, and it's not about the washing. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, and it wasn't about the open relationship or anything either. Like we 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 are consistently low volatility and much higher on that scale than we ever have been as a couple. Mm. Uh, and you know, uh, as as I no doubt we'll get into shortly, it's made us much stronger as a couple, but perhaps just as importantly, has made us much stronger as individuals. Yes. Yeah, that's a great so. If I'm like understanding your analogy, so if you're saying that what if, if a couple would like they operate like between, you know, their highs are a nine and their lows are a one, and if they add non-monogamy into it, their highs go from you know a fifteen out of ten, but their lows go to a it's going to break them kind oh, of thing. I mean, if your lows are one out of ten, then you're probably not ready, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, so many people don't probably take that into consideration. Or maybe they do and they think that, like, the non-monogamy is going to help them. Exactly. Or it might help something. You know, I've even heard stories where it's helped them for a little while but and it helped them to get to a point to be okay to end the relationship Mm. where they, like, they were probably seeking answers in themselves that the non-monogamy probably gave them. Like, for me, when I first got into it, it's just like it it scratched this itch that I knew I had but I didn't know how – how much you needed it. <laughs> yeah, I didn't I didn't understand like that this was a thing that you could do and you could live your your live way live your life like this um and make a conscious choice. Uh and then once it did happen it's kind of like I got into a place where I was more comfortable saying no this is what I do want. I'm sorry you don't want it anymore, but it's just like I'm happy to go our separate ways from here. Mm. So I guess like if 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 you can learn something out of it and like, you know, it doesn't completely, I mean, I guess what we're talking about is to say as your person, you, you strengthen yourself as well. Maybe the relationship doesn't last, but it's just like, you can get to a point where it's like, I'm okay with how this has happened. Yes. Yeah. Instead of like, oh, I blame the, that fucking time I went to a sex club and it ruined my marriage. And it's just like, I blame them. And it's just like, it's probably not us that did it to you. It's That's just right. like there was something inside of you or, the, or, or them, whatever sure. it is. Yes. I feel like I'm preaching today. I'm on my soapbox, you know. I'm just. Kind of <laughs> <laughs> well, you're just, doing great. <laughs> yeah, it's just like come, yeah, throw a dollar at my feet and listen to me talk. <laughs> I see you got some notes here. <laughs> like, what's do you? Are they for? Are they for today? Oh yeah, yeah. This is just how I think. I put it down on paper and then I've internalized it. Oh okay, I see. Oh yeah, and I can see the line graph as well. Is yep. that the? 
That's that's the one. Yeah. That's <laughs> <laughs> told you I was visual. Yeah, that's right. Um, okay, so your first experience was at the club for you, uh, Misha. Club. I've got a. I was about to say the wrong name. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Dean? What was the first experience for you at the club, or was it at the club? Like what, I'm talking about like a club? non-monogamous experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we we did a few things outside of our secret spots. How um, do you out? Get out. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but but as I mentioned, like we were dipping our toes in the water, we we really wanted to make sure that we were comfortable with the idea of it. And then you know, when we did our first experiences, that you know there was a right sort of I don't know what to call it aftercare, I guess. Mm. Um, but also our capacity to communicate as a couple and trust each other was important. Um, and I think. I think we did that in the right order. I, I don't think we... But what did I, you do as the first time? What did you do after? <laughs> so there was the Escort, then there was Club V, or was there something in between? There that? was Club V and then... So, so the, thing, the thing about escorting, right, is it's very transactional. Yep. There's no emotional connection. So but did you book one? Yeah, I'm getting to <laughs> <it>. <laughs> <laughs> um, So, yeah, like I, I had an Escort... Um, but the idea around it being is that there's no attachment, right? So because it was new to us and obviously like sex is a very complex issue yeah. and is very difficult to do without forming attachments with other people. Yeah. The fact that something like escorting was transactional fits within the sort of yeah. progression that we wanted to have as a couple because we didn't want to you know, worst case scenario, you go and you meet somebody on field or something like that and um, and you develop some sort of attachment, right? Yeah. I, I'd never been in this sort of scenario and I didn't know if I could trust myself in that way. I, I was 95% sure that I'd be A-OK. Yeah. And, you know, thankfully that, you know, 5% never materialised. But, mm. yeah, it was like a logical first step for us. After that, um, I met with someone... I think from fields uh, and went back to her place and, you know, that was uh, and sort of a next step in that threshold. And, you know, again, like we took it in our stride as a couple. Um, and yeah, I tell you what, like the best thing about that night, as fun as it was, the best thing was actually coming home to my partner. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> he did say that. <laughs> that is nice. Yeah. yeah. That talking about, did you like replay the scenario? Like, that night? Yeah. No, 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 no. Oh, Mish, you just Mish, Mish, Mish is not a details person. No. I think she was pretending <laughs> to sleep, to be honest. Um, yeah, look, I think uh, Dean strives on gratification of me coming home and telling him every single thing that happened. For me, if I'm in the room, if I'm there and I'm seeing it, that's all fun and that's great um, because I'm already there. Mm. But I don't need to hear every single thing that happened. Yeah, okay. um, and I think it's really deep down it comes down to body confidence you know mm. as a woman post two kids you're like oh maybe he liked her more than me maybe he had a better time so if i don't hear about it then th there's nothing for me to worry about and i'm sure a lot of um women will feel the way i feel but yeah michelle feels the same way michelle's amazing she is beautiful i know i and say that to her every time <laughs> Uh, but it, it's all in our mind. And if there's one thing I can um, advise uh, women out there is that men don't necessarily care about how you look. It, it's the whole package. It's how you feel. And um, our secret spot, non-monogamy, has given me, has opened the doors for me to really love myself. Uh, because, yeah. you know, Dean has loved me for nine years. But there could be um, a gentleman that sees me next week that will go, wow, she is the best thing since sliced bread, yep. you know. <laughs> and, yeah. and at the end of the day, it does give you that boost of confidence to yep. know that you are more than just your body or your looks. You, you, you're the whole package. Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad it has given you that confidence and it's given you that, you know, bolstered sense of uh, self body image confidence and stuff like that. It's just like it's, yeah. A lot of women who feel they judge themselves against other women and so like you, yeah, you just really don't need to. It's yeah. just like, anyway. I think, yeah. I think one of my big first impressions, though, is that that's not necessarily unique to women, though. 
first impressions in terms of coming to OSS mm. and, um, you know, some of the male friends that I've made here that are real sort of A-type uh, personalities, macho sort of guys that, mm. that when they open up to you that they were very nervous coming here and um, didn't want to, you know, you know, I only yeah. wanted to play in private rooms and that sort of thing and, and you're like, oh, wow, that's actually really surprising that, um, you know, these type of... Um, uh, men with those A-type personalities are also just as insecure about yeah, themselves. Yeah, yeah. I guess we all got it in us. And it's just like, look, I've, I felt like guilty of that too, where I'm just like comparing myself to another guy. So it's like, he's fitter than me. Yeah. Just like, <laughs> yeah. You know, um, but then I'm, I don't know. It's just, I guess kind of talking yourself into a situation like, you know, fake it till you make it. Like tell yourself, nah, it doesn't really matter. And eventually like I've gotten to a point where it's just like I'm, I don't, yeah, even like he's bigger than me, musclier than me, got a bigger cock, whatever it is, <laughs> I don't give a fuck. <laughs> it's like, it's just like, as long as you're a nice person, it's just like if you're yeah. a douchebag, then I'm just, then I've got a problem, but it's a different kind of problem. It's just like, yeah. yeah. There's like this old adage, right, which is there's, there's two types of guys. There's the nice guys and the jerks. But I actually think that's, that's a pretty big misnomer. Mm. And I think that the the real um, sort of distinction between men should be there are insecure men and there are secure men. And uh, yeah. uh, one of the one of the big lessons for me as an individual and as a man is actually um, being able to have transformed from someone who is insecure to being secure. Um, and I think being in an open relationship, one of the four sort of pillars is being secure within yourself because um, that then, you know, means that you're not going to be jealous. Um, You know, if you know you're the man, right, because, you know, you've been with someone perfect like Misha for nine and a half years and that no one's going to come in between you. Like that that not only helps you in the scene, um, it helps you in your real life as well. That's yeah. that's been super transformational. Is is you know transitioning to a a very secure individual over the last couple of years. That's great. Glad to hear it. I've also through my journey, I've had um, you know, I came it came to a uh, realization about like my insecurities, and this is kind of like with through therapy as well. It's just like what's uh, like some of my motivations and drives have been. So it's sort of like this lifestyle has helped me realize certain things. It's just like. I would, you know, when I was younger, I didn't feel very attractive and 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 whatnot. Um, yes, I had a, like a partner and stuff, but like even then, when getting into the lifestyle, it's just like talking to women. I, it's like I, I'm naturally introverted. And you may have heard me say this before, but it's just like talking to other people can be really daunting for me, especially like you know at a club situation or a pub, pub or a party or something. It's like breaking into someone else's social circle is like a Herculean task for me. It's just like it really saps my energy. Uh, but and then that would translate into like you know trying to talk to women and like I'd be like I don't know what to do and then so w- when I started getting attention from women in the lifestyle I'd be like oh, it would like really give me an ego boost and it's just like I think for a while there it was maybe a, I wasn't really conscious of like how much I was just feeding off the 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 younger Lawrence the teenager Lawrence that was like getting his ego stroked and it's just like see attractive women do find you attractive and it's just like go get more and it can be, be at some points i noticed it's becoming looking in hindsight it became a little bit unhealthy because i was just kind of like feeding off that and just kind of like i guess it's kind of like junk food sex or junk food relationships mm-hmm. right it's just like it wasn't actually anything really fulfilling it wasn't really doing anything for my other relationships it's just kind of hurting me in the end and then yeah just having that really clear insight into what was my motivation what was my drive and then making sure that I can even if I still do it it's just like I understand what I'm doing and, and at least moderate myself instead of just going whole, whole hog yeah. at the buffet <laughs> <laughs> yeah I think um so so let's say that you were a man that was insecure about the number of people you'd you'd been with and you felt like being an open relationship had somehow helped solve that and I think that that'd obviously be like a pretty big red flag mm. around getting into the scene. But um, once you really sort of relax into it and, and you're very secure, I think confidence is one of the most attractive things anybody can have, particularly in men. But one of the things that I've really learned from Misha is really around not having expectations either. So when you combine something like 
the confidence that you build from becoming insecure and going to something like OSS and just being like, I just want to have a great night and meet new people and no expectations on what happens. That's when the really cool things happen when yeah. you've got that kind of a mindset. You can definitely yeah. feel that energy and difference between oh, when yeah. talking to someone who's confident. And that's nice to talk to someone who's confident. And then that you can feel from them that they're like, it's all good. Like whatever happens, happens. It's like we're just, yep. you know, yep. then there's like that no pressure of like, I've got to, I've got to perform like this. It's just like everyone is just be cool. It's just like we're we're having a good time. Whatever happens, happens. It's fun. Yeah. I I always say um, if there is no um, expectations, you can never be disappointed. Mm. Yeah. So what was your first night at the club together then? Uh, I think it was Dirty, Dirty Disney. Disney. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So one of the private parties. Uh, yeah. One of the private parties. Yep. I, I don't even know how. Um, Actually, I do remember how I got into it. I, I met someone on field mm. and he told me that he was going to this private party and that I should really get tickets. It's going to be a great time. And Dean hadn't been to a club before and that was our first night. Was this Dirty Disney like two years ago? Or yes, something? Yeah. I think it was October 2020. Yeah, that was my first party as I came without a partner. Oh. Even to the club, <laughs> my own club. <laughs> And I was like, that was one of those nights where I was on an unhealthy tear. Oh, <laughs> well, it was our first together night as a couple. Yeah. We didn't play. But we did. Oh, oh, sorry. Yes, we did play. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, we did play uh, now that I do remember. And, but we didn't, have, we, we didn't have expectations to yep. play. That's correct. Yeah, okay. Yep. And it felt, felt right. It was somebody that uh, – it was that person, I think, that – Yes, it, yeah. was the, uh, it was the guy that told me about the event and it, it was really great because it just kind of flowed, mm. you know, and I think not putting any pressure on yourself, your partner or anyone else that you're coming in with really made a big difference for us yeah. because we came home, we, we were just on a high from, from the experience. Mm. Yeah. Um, we got to talk to quite a few people. Um, the, some people were newbies, some people have been there before and it's incredible because we have still stayed in touch and we have played with them uh, once or twice since then and I think being able to do that comfortably is a great thing. Yeah. I was surprised, like, walking in that night, everyone was so fucking hot. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Because you, you don't know what to expect, right? Like no, what, no. what the mix is going to be like. And I was just like floored. Like everyone was super attractive and outgoing. And yeah, there was like a bit of nervous energy with some people, but most most people there were super down to earth. Yes. Yep. Um, people from all walks of life, right? Like um, blue collar, white collar, live in Sydney, travel, travel to Sydney for, you know, the nights. Fuck buddies, friends with benefits. Everything. Yep. Everything. The Bingo. whole package. Married. Yep. Kids, all of it, yeah. Well, the kids didn't come along, not this time. No. <laughs> oh, we leave them at OSS Crash, which is a business next door. That's get your free childcare money. No, it's a fake business. <laughs> well, I did come from early childhood education. Maybe that's maybe it's something oh, we should talk about. <laughs> yeah, like we've talked about that. Like if we could get like a, a, a vacant spot next door and just like, you know, it's just like late night childcare or something. You'll what be selling hell? 300 tickets. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine the media getting a hold of that? It's just like sex club offers childcare <laughs> for their, their debaucherous parents to go and... Oh, God. Anyway, sorry about that. What were we up to? Sorry, I got so, <laughs> I got so raptured with the but, idea. What, what were your first impressions, Misha, of the club? It would have been massively different from Club V. Was the Club yeah. V here or was it back at Dala? No, it was here. Yeah, okay. Um... To be honest, I've been to so many events, it's kind of hard to remember um, mm. exactly the first time, but I just remember being nervous. Yeah. I remember being nervous and I remember seeing hot people and I remember wondering whether I was, you know, it, it's really hard, but I did wonder whether me naked will be as attractive as somebody else across the hall from me. Yeah. Like you did have those kind of fear. Mm. But... I, I now know after all these years that I'm pretty fucking amazing <laughs> at what I do. So um, all those fears were just at that moment in time. Sure. They, they no, those fears are no longer there. I, it doesn't matter that I've got a scar from having a caesarean. I don't care that I don't look the same way as I did before kids. Um, so 
I have genuinely evolved since that period of time. Nice. Yeah, Thank likewise. Um, so I think, I think it's easy to get misconceptions from things like pornography. And to be clear, I'm probably like, what, three or four years completely cold turkey from pornography. But oh, yeah. n- nonetheless, like um, it develops misconceptions about sex, right? So mm. one of the things was that, you know, in pornography, everyone's got like a enormous dick, right? And mm. you go to somewhere like OSS and you're like, oh, wow, that's actually what average looks like. And, oh, shit, hang on, maybe I am actually packing. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you've been yeah. like comparing yourself to Godzilla, but you, you're <laughs> walking around with a tank for this whole time. Totally, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, go on. That, that, that was a big revelation. No, yeah. no, no, mate, that was a punchline. <laughs> <laughs> Bradford and Angela from By the By podcast, he has a great way of like describing like the problem, the way to think about pornography. It's like trying to learn sex from pornography is like trying to learn about space travel from Star Wars. Mm. Mm. It's just it's just make-believe. Yeah. Like, take it easy, everyone. Like, people think, like, this is reality when it's yeah. completely not. Totally. I, th- I think, though, like, um, um, you know, I've talked a lot about things like insecurities and it's pretty hard to, like, completely inim- eliminate insecurities and eliminate ego. But I think I'm also much better at my own self-talk around those and actually turning... <laughs> negative thoughts on their head yeah um you know mish has just described herself as pretty good at what she was what she does i think (laughs) the words right and um you know you you develop that that type of positive talk within your own internal dialogue quite a lot yeah what was it how did you come about to work at the club i mentioned that in the intro oh yeah well i who'd you smooze I didn't uh, look. I think I think I'm very friendly and outgoing. Yeah. And being able to, um, I think it was Dirty Disney. Uh, Jess came up to us and introduced herself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. To say that she was owner of the club, and I remember saying to Dean, I was like, "Wow, like the owners, bosses come up to talk to you. This is incredible. I want to work here. Like this this place is amazing." Um, I think I just. Um, messaged our secret spot instagram one day said hey you know i it's my first time here and a couple of it's my second time here and i had such an amazing time if you ever need someone at the door to work i would absolutely love the opportunity yeah um and so there was another private event it was um i think pajama party mm-hmm. that i did my very first shift um and everyone at the door i think felt so comfortable with me that they messaged our secret spot and said, oh, Misha was really nice at the door and people recognised me from following um, as I don't have my face out on my social media. Mm. And I think it gave me a boost of confidence. But above all, I wanted people to feel safe. I wanted people to feel comfortable. Mm -hmm. And every time I did work at the club, I would do a quick tour and just be really friendly because I feel like for any business, you are the face of the business. So Mm. if you make people feel comfortable... Your job is done and beyond. Yeah. Um, and I haven't worked at a club for a little while um, due to personal reasons. But, you know, if you ever need somebody else, you know you know who to call. <laughs> I, I really enjoy on the times that I've worked behind the bar is taking the newbies around and showing them the club. The tour is so much fun because, like, you get to see their reactions to everything. And then you lock but them in the dungeon. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> Don't let them out. See you in three hours. It's just like, this is an escape room. You must find all the pieces of the puzzle to get out. Yeah. <laughs> um, but making sure that they know that it's a place where there's no judgment and they can feel super comfortable and do things at their own pace and, and making them feel relaxed and watching that body language change. That's yep. actually like a lot of fun is... Um, it's the highlight. Yeah, yeah That's definitely. nice. Yep. Does anyone else in your life know? Like uh, people outside of the lifestyle. So a lot of our friends are outside of the lifestyle. Yeah. Uh, they do know. Our families don't know mostly because uh, culturally that's very much taboo. Um, I think I would love, I genuinely and wholeheartedly would love to get to the point where I can talk freely about it because at the end of the day I'm not ashamed about what I do. Yeah. And I really really hope that 
anyone who's listening to the podcast and beyond understand that what happens in our life uh, behind closed doors or behind a club should never be a reflection of who we are as parents, who we are as colleagues, who we are as employees, because we only do what makes us happy and mm -hmm. it's not hurting anyone. So I've kind of dabbled into a little bit of telling my mum, just like in a really like uh, cryptic ways. Yeah. You know, she sometimes will say to me, oh, you got to dress better, you know, otherwise Dean's going to leave you. He's not going to love you anymore. And I would kind of go, well, how do you know he isn't already with somebody else? <laughs> but <laughs> except I tell him that he can. Yeah. So little breadcrumbs here and there. Yeah, okay. So if it ever does come out, she goes, oh, it all makes sense to me now. Well, exactly, because, you know, I do go on dates um, yeah. externally and I do sometimes go out for dinner and drinks and my parents are very outgoing. They, they're always out and about in the city. So the last thing I want is them to be completely shell-shocked and me getting slapped across the face uh, rather than her going, oh, this is what she's been doing. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I think... Um, just a general life lesson is that, you know, friendships, for example, can drift because you become different people. And there have definitely been instances where our friends have different moral compasses. And when we tell them about what we do, that they that can come back as, you know, ways to guilt trip. Like, Misha's got this friend. I'll let you tell a story about, um, you know, stealing all the men. Oh, yes. My friend <laughs> who, I, who I think is still single... Um, you know, we hadn't spoken for a little while, but when she did ring me last year, she said, how's it going? How's everything? I said, yeah, life is really good. You know, I'm dating. Um, everything is great in our life. And I said, are you dating? And she said, well, it's really hard to date when you're stealing all the men, isn't it? And well, I said, well, just because I'm open doesn't mean that everybody wants me. Yeah. And just because I'm open doesn't mean I want everybody else. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if anything, being a parent... It will be a hundred times harder for me to say yes to somebody because I have to organize, you know, my husband, my household, my children. So the person that I do end up going out with has to really be worth my time. Yeah. But those comments are really hurtful and offensive because really it's her, it's not me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, it, and it became like a almost a pretty good filter in that way that um, someone wasn't Aligned with aligned, your life. But, but mm. also perhaps not mature enough to accept that people can do this and do it successfully. Yes. Uh, particularly when they're struggling as an individual to form their own relationships. Yeah. Wow. I just... <laughs> I don't even thought of that if people would think like that. You're stealing all... Like, Apparently I'm out so. here like rubbing two sticks together and you're out there <laughs> with a flamethrower. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, yeah, you know, a few friendships have drifted away, but can I tell you that no friendship that have drifted away, um, I have missed. So yeah. it's also a great lesson to realise that it doesn't matter whether you've known someone for 20 years or two years. Yeah. Some of the friends we have met through the club have been mm. the most amazing people. Some yeah. of them have been on this podcast. Um, and, you know, I, I'm the kind of person that treasures the, the life in the now, not mm. so much the past. Yeah. Uh, and we just live in the moment. Sure. Yeah. I have one more question for you each. If you could take a snapshot of a memory of your time at the club, what would be on that photo? You'll go first. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Getting topped by Hadrian. For you. Uh, me, watching yeah. me, getting yeah. topped by Hadrian. Can we say that name? I think so. Hadrian. Yeah. Leather by Hadrian. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Shout out, shout out for his products. <laughs> <laughs> um, for me, my highlight of the club, oh, um, would have to be uh, playing with uh, one of the girls mm. who is now my friend. I yeah. don't know if I can t say the handle. Um, you don't have to say the handle, but you can give us a description of what happened. Um. She used a strap-on on me. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, and Dean got to watch, and I think it was really... Um, well, take turns, more like it, in the swing. Yeah, taking <laughs> turns. Oh, you're in the swing room? Yes. Okay, <laughs> we're, we're building the picture. Right, I'm seeing it now. Um, that probably has to be the highlight, because I remember when I first entered the club, I was like, the swing? No way. You would never see me there. You yeah. would. There is no way I would ever walk through that door, and then I did. So, if I'm... 
seeing this correctly in my eye, Misha, you're on your back in that swing. Yes. And your friend has got a strap on on. Yes. Fucking your pussy. Yes. And Dean is also taking turns fucking your pussy. Pretty much. Yep. Yeah. You, is there a crowd outside what? the window watching? We'd I didn't realise <laughs> how many people were out there <laughs> until I kind of glanced over through and it was just packed with people. Yeah. But uh, you know what? I think I'll change my answer. I'll take that photo. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> good answer. Good answer. Yeah. On that note, thank you very much for coming in and chatting with us. It's been great to like hear your story. Um, I do love doing these podcasts with, with guests and like, hearing everyone's different perspectives and where they've come from and hopefully it, like, it reaches some people who might be going through a similar thing and in their, their journey through the lifestyle they can gain something from what you've shared. Um, I'm just going to wrap up the last bits of the podcast if you don't mind hanging around for a second. Uh, so this is the part of the podcast where we ask for bribery, uh, which means you, the listener, can write us a five-star rating review on Apple Podcasts. If we read out your response on a month in review podcast, uh, we will give you a free night to the club on a night of your choice pending availability uh, if you want to get in touch with us any other uh, through any other way you can on email info at oursecretspot.com.au or you can call us on 0478131769 social media Instagram is oursecretspot SID S-Y-D or Facebook and Twitter is at oursecretspot alternatively if you want to buy a ticket and come to the club say hello to us in person and probably meet Misha and Dean, you can do so at OurSecretSpot.com.au. Uh, that's going to do it for this episode. Before we go, one last thing, Misha and Dean, did you want to like plug your own Instagram handles if you want, so if people want to get in touch with them, you can? Uh, yeah, sure. So my Instagram handle is live.through.reflections. I love meeting new people, but above all, I would be very much open to um, – you know, guiding people through the lifestyle and if there are any questions they might have. Mm -hmm. Because one of the greatest things you can do is to help another person um, who is going through similar things, you know, come out on the better end. Yep. My Instagram handle is james.deans.ghost. I have a friend that reckons I look like James Dean and he's obviously dead and I'm pretty fair, <laughs> so I kind of look like his ghost. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like, like for, for anybody that wants to get involved and has questions, particularly men, hit me up. Yeah, happy to happy to share um, insight. Yeah, yeah, insights and what what makes it work. And nice. thank you so much for having us for taking the time as well. No totally. problem. Thank you. It's been All right. Fun. See you next time, everyone. Bye. <laughs>